It's time for Tupelo Tom and Big Lou talking. And now, here's Tupelo Tom and Big Lou. I'm Tupelo Tom. And I'm Big Lou. And, and we're talking. talking. Good uh, good afternoon, good evening, good night, Jeff. How are you? I am doing wonderful. Um, I've got the coughing down to every three seconds, so I feel like a healed man. Okay, well, we'll, we'll try to cut what we can out of this. Our... <laughs> Producer Alex Mitchell will just be, have a cough button that he will try to uh, institute. That's what you have on the radio, by the way. It's a little button uh, next to the if you, you, if you feel yourself about to sneeze or cough, you you hit the button and it kills your mic for just a second. I wish I had that in life. I could just walk around and just start saying something. I could just press a button and nobody could hear the coughing. It's that post fest uh, glory that we have every every festival. It, it's kind of like uh, one of those buttons on uh, um, a ride or something. Uh, you have to press it down and keep pressing it to turn the mic off because people would say, well, Tom, couldn't you just turn the mic on and off? And I would say, <laughs> you can, but you forget to turn it back on sometimes. Right. So I've done a lot of shows with no mic on. Uh, but we are in that little time between fests right now, and we found this little little moment in time that we could get together and, 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 and talk about what's happened in the rearview mirror and what's happening in the, in the out the windshield ahead, and uh, we're excited about it. But before we do that, I wanted to ask Jeff what you've been up to. I'll tell you what I've been up to, and I'll go first. I was in, um, you know, I love to go uh, picking antique stores. I love to find um, anything. I never know what I'm looking for. So the other day, I go in a place here in Tupelo, the Rusted Bucket, and I'm looking. There's a new booth there, and they had LPs. And I'll hold this LP up right here. You can see it. Yes. Now you on the podcast, stop looking at your radio. You can't see it. Uh, it's called, the album is Long Lonesome Highway by Michael Parks. It's from the 60s. Uh, and it's, Michael Parks was on a TV show called Then Came Bronson, where he rode a motorcycle, you know, to it, adventure to adventure, city to city. And he was also in some Tarantino movies uh, later on. But back in the day, in the 60s, if you had a hit TV show, you got to do an album. Uh, I've got an album by Greg Morris that played Barney, the techno guy on Mission Impossible. I've got an album that Leonard Nimoy did. Of course, Shatner did an album and still does them. So a lot of people, oh, and David McCollum from Man From U.N.C.L.E. did an album too, plays Ducky on NCIS. But there's, I've always liked Michael Parks as an actor because he's kind of Brando-esque. And I picked this album up and I thought, oh, well, he's even wearing the same cap he wears and then came Bronson. So this must be right around that time. Now, of all the records I could have picked up, I pick this one up and I look on the back and it's got his musicians. And I look at the musicians, James Burton on electric guitar and dobro. Wow. Jerry Chef on bass and Ronnie Tutt on drums. Oh and my I'm like, gosh. Well, I guess I'm buying this one. <laughs> Have you listened to I, it? I've listened to it. Michael Parks, not a bad singer, but boy, the musicians are incredible. Wow. But that's so you never know. You never know what's out there. You never know what you're going to get. That's just one of those. Why was I called for that album? Why did I pick it up? Why did I turn it over? Just one of those little things. And then in the mail today, um, I got the uh, Elvis Presley Burning Love RCA rehearsals, which was the record day release back uh, in May. You know, they have the record day for all the independent record stores. And a lot of artists have uh, albums that come out that are just sold on that day or until they sell out. My local record store here in Tupelo, they said they had a line out the door when they opened. Golly. Uh, And, and, uh, Th- th- they they sold out of this Burn in Love RCA rehearsals. It's basically the album. You, you see excerpts from a lot of these songs uh, in uh, Elvis on tour when he's in the studio with the red shirt. One of the coolest he ever looked. Yeah, yeah. And the the album cover is the same. You see JD and Richard Sturban and Ed Enoch in the background. Red has got a, is very prominent in the lower right corner. But uh, my friend John Jackson and everybody at Sony sent me a copy of that. So I just wanted to say thank you for that. And there's nothing like Elvis on vinyl still. Yeah. And for all you collectors, yes, I opened it. And yes, I'm listening to it because that's what it was made to do. I don't want to. <laughs> exactly. I collect enough stuff. I'm putting the album on the turntable and I'm listening to it. And a continued thrill for me is the fact that pretty much always now Sony in their thank yous include, includes my name. So the fact that my name is on an Elvis album inside is just still just kind of strange to me so we can say that the handful of people that for some reason just continue to be negative about the movie and everything else there's never going to get it they never will here's an example here we are in 2023 and there's a line out the store a record store to get an Elvis album incredible yeah 
It, and that's what we've been seeing. We've talked about it on previous podcasts that we are seeing uh, an audience uh, comprised of a lot of people that we would have never seen uh, at an Elvis festival before. They they have discovered Elvis and they are seeking another Elvis experience besides the movie. And that's where the festivals come in. They're able to see someone live on stage paying tribute to Elvis and feel what it's like to be in an audience. And uh, I, you know, I, I, I envy them because they're, they're getting to experience this and they're, you know, when I was alive, Elvis was, was still alive and he was working. So I was experiencing as he was releasing records to the later. Wait, generations. wait, 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 wait. When you were alive, you're not dead. Are you Tom? Well, when he was alive. There you go. Okay. You okay. Had me, had I, me worried yeah. there for a minute. Oh, okay. I, I don't know. I'll check my pulse. Um, can you hear me talking? Maybe I'm just talking in my head and I'm floating away. Um, but now his career is, you know, you can, it's all right there. You, it's yeah. just this big giant package of stuff. And thank goodness I had over the years, the ability to disseminate it to myself as it was happening. You know what I mean? It's not just this big giant package of, of incredible 25 years of work. So, but they're discovering that and I'm excited for them. So welcome to them if they're listening. And uh, other than that, I've just been listening to albums. Jeff, what about you? Well, I'd like to give a shout out to my Oklahoma Sooners softball team for winning their third straight national title. I'm a fanatical fan. Wow. And they had the best record in the history of the NCAA. So I was very proud of that. Hated to see Jordy Ball transfer to Nebraska, but that's her hometown and she's doing it for some really cool reasons. So I wish her the best of luck. I just lost 90% of our audience telling that, but I'm a huge uh, OU softball fan. So I wanted to give a shout out. I too went uh, antiquing. I collect the old metal lunchboxes. Yeah. I found a hee-haw with Roy and Buck. I found a Fat Albert, uh, a Rambo, which I think might be the last one that they made of that metal, that company. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I'm still looking for the Harlem Globetrotters and the Happy Days and a few others. But that's always fun. Tupelo has some great uh, antique stores, and I did that. I have found over the years, I have two. I'm looking at them on the shelf over there because I'm in my office. Um, I have two. They're not the originals I had back in the day, but I found two to represent my childhood lunchboxes. I have one that's just called Play Ball, and it's Major League Baseball. It's like they didn't want to pay the license fee. So it's like obviously a picture on the side of Brooks Robinson from the Baltimore Orioles, but they just took the Oriole off the cap. And it's obviously um, like Johnny Bench on the back of it, but they just took the logo off of the thing. So it just is called Play Ball. Cause they didn't want to pay a license fee. And the other one I have is I have my, uh, a laugh, I had a laugh in lunchbox. Yeah. I've got, and of course the Hulk and the NFL has one of those where they didn't clearly didn't want to pay the licensing fee. So it's just something fun yeah. to collect, you know, so if I needed to collect more stuff and people right now are Googling lunchboxes. So that's, uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, Tom, it's interesting. You talked about how envious you were, the people that are discovering Elvis and the whole ETA, process it's the same thing every time people have an image in their head uh there's a lot of negativity about it of course 90 percent of those people have never even been to a show or there's what i thought was that it was kind of a humorous you know honeymoon in vegas flying elvis's utah chapter and then when you see the guys that really take it seriously and really care about it and are huge elvis fans as we all know Everybody is blown away because they didn't realize the commitment to to Elvis's image and legacy they have. I remember the first uh, ETA I saw in Las Vegas uh, and Trent Carlini, and I, I could not believe how incredible it was. Then I saw another one after that where I was just blown away that I saw a jumpsuit in person. Yeah, you know, and so it's 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 fun and it's fun to talk to the people when they want to know about your Elvis experiences. They, they want to ask questions about the movie and. And it's just an exciting time to, it's always exciting to be an Elvis fan, but it's a real exciting time now. And we've also experienced something because of our producer, Jeff, Alex Mitchell, who has uh, connected this podcast using other methods and other people that are on TikTok and things. Alex, we would just want to say thank you that we're finding out that we're very big in the um, TikTok and other social media besides uh, Facebook world. Thank you for that. 
Yeah, you are now. You're welcome. Um, there is a, a movement with uh, Elvis influencers on social media. I never thought that I would say that, but it's amazing. We had a uh, friend of mine, Kenzie Cormick, and uh, she has quite the Elvis following. And uh, we reached out to her and she made an amazing clip that, I mean, it's it's a hell of an advertisement. So thank you very much, Kenzie. Well, and that's the thing. We're, we're out there. Uh, they're discovering this show through so many different ways. And so again, through Jeff, through ways that you and I would not even understand, but they're, they're doing it. I'm so blown away when I saw that Kenzie did an amazing job. If you're listening, we had another uh, kind of a cool little celebrity encounter, Daniel Durston, who was on big brother. Yes. I'm a fan of the show. I admit it. Uh, I met him in Las Vegas actually when I went to see uh, uh, Pat and Vic and Bill do a show there. And he was going to be taking Pat's place for a while. And it was just real. I didn't get to meet him, but you did. And apparently he's a big fan of the, uh, the podcast. So Daniel, if you're listening, big shout out, dude, we definitely have to have you on stage for the after parties next time. He's probably driving somewhere. He told me he listened to all the episodes in order on his drive from Las Vegas, uh, to Tupelo. And I said, well, that maybe, maybe that got you to Denver, but I'm very happy that, that, uh, <laughs> that he was able to listen. Yeah, that was neat. So, uh, we talked about kind of what we're up to now. Oh, and the other thing I've been doing is um, <laughs> showing my age. Uh, I was very excited the other day. Amazon dropped all uh, seven or eight seasons of Barnaby Jones. So that's what I've been doing <laughs> every day. I mean, you you have all these new shows. You guys are watching all these new hip things, and I'm watching Barnaby Jones. And I made a mis- I made the mistake of, of running the numbers. And you, you should never run the numbers. Um, but watching Barnaby Jones back in the day, you know, the, the, the premise was – Back in the 70s, it was detectives that had like a gimmick, like Cannon was the fat detective or the uh, cha- the weight challenged uh, detective. Go. Calorically challenged. Sick. Calorically challenged today. Back then he was fat. Uh, <laughs> and, and looking at him, he's not that fat, really. <laughs> right. Um, I, I wish I were that fat. Yeah, really. I'm like, oh, that's not bad, Cannon. Uh, uh, Columbo was kind of the, the you you know the absent-minded genius. He was that you know, and Kojak was the bald uh, you know f- follically challenged uh, detective, and Barnaby Jones was the older detective, right? Yeah. And watching the episode, by the way, episode there's the pilot. I, I, I watch this show, episode two, season one, episode two. William Shatner is the guest villain, so that's all I got to tell you. Oh, that is um, great. And Barnaby Jones, he's drinking milk. You know, he's 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 just like a year or two out of being Jed Clampett, and he's amazing. Alex, I see your hand in the audience. Wait, does that mean that Kojak is a spinoff of Barnaby Jones? No, no, no. Barnaby Jones is a spinoff of Canon. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, But I ran the numbers, Jeff. Yeah. And we're within a year of being the same age. Oh, no. <laughs> now, watching Barnaby Jones back in the 70s. He was always so old. Now yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's not that bad. Not that bad. And Cannon's not that fat. So, Oh, that's great. You know, I got to say, um, I always joke about being on the road so much as we are now. And I said, this was a whole lot easier 20 years ago. Uh, and every time I come home, I just feel beat up like an old man. But all these Barnaby Jones references and discussion, Tom, you made me feel young. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> Well, there's, they're also a part of the audience going, oh, I didn't know it was on Amazon. You're welcome. <laughs> Who's thinking we're talking about a purple dinosaur right now? Yeah, really. Uh, and and the, the, you know what the toughest thing about the festivals is? is not actually doing them. It's the packing for and the unpacking after, or you could just leave your suitcase packed from one festival to the other and just take it, just not even unpack it and just take it to the next That's one. That's right. It's just, it's just a science of, of laundry. But- We've talked about what we've been doing, and now it's time to take a look back at some of the festivals that have happened in the past. And let's go back to right around May 18th in uh, Jonesboro, Arkansas, Jeff, the Arkansas Elvis Festival uh, produced by uh, Cody Danith. And, and it, it was a lot of fun. And looking back, it seems like it seems like two years ago. I know. It's crazy. Uh, and it, again, sound like a broken record. New people, half the house, full house. Yeah. Great performers as always. Bill Cherry, of course, Cody Dell, at the producer with ETA Festivals. Ben Thompson, our friend from Over the Pond. David Lee, Cliff Wright, Radney Pennington, Michael Culifer, Alex Mitchell, our producer. Joseph Hall was there. Moses yeah. Snow uh, was there. And, of course, Moses just won uh, a prelim, so he'll be in the ultimate. And our, our man, uh, the incredibly talented phenom finley Watkins, and it was really cool to perform with the eas band we had played with them in forever yeah, so i hadn't seen great. john and, and cheryl and everybody in a while and a special guest appearance uh so i was on stage 
uh, with Ben Thompson, who was doing a, a, a headlining show, and I was his Charlie Hodge over with his water and his scarves. And that's uh, kind of what I do now. If I'm requested, I will be there as Charlie Hodge to you know do the guitars. I don't catch them anymore, though. Um, because was it there that I caught the Cody's guitar and I cut my finger? Or was it another festival? Yes, that's when we we started the banning the throwing of guitars for yeah. safety reasons. Yeah, well, safety reasons, and plus, I don't want to buy you a new guitar if I drop <laughs> it. All the error on throwing a guitar happens at the end part of the throw. The beginning part of the throw is never blamed. It's always the catcher. It's kind of like taking a reservation and keeping one. <laughs> yeah, well, it's kind of like in baseball. If I touch it, it's my error. You know. Um, Ben Thompson and I are on stage and he's in the scarf portion of the, of the program and I'm helping him with scarves and he's kissing and scarf and kiss and scarf. And all of a sudden there's Vic Trevino, <laughs> like right in the, right in the middle of all the women down there. And he, Ben's like, that's, he looks at me like, so what's, what's Vic doing here? <laughs> and Vic comes down and gives him a hug, gives a Vic a scarf and Vic goes off and it's like, it didn't happen. And Ben looks at me. And after Ben's finished with the song, I said, you know, I didn't know Ben. I didn't know, uh, Victor lived in Jonesboro, but what had happened is he had had another show somewhere and he just kind of came by, came by and hung out and, uh, was able to perform a couple more times over the course of the weekend. But it's one of those, you gotta be at the festival. You never know what magic's going to happen. And, and there's the current reigning right. uh, ultimate champion that just happened to be in the audience. And along with, uh, Riley Jenkins joined us that way too. Just yeah. showed up. Yeah. Yeah. And, so, and it was also during that that program with Ben that we had another little magic moment happen when we're doing scarves again. And there was a, a lady in a wheelchair that had a service dog with her, which we discovered uh, didn't take kindly to men in jumpsuits. Um, <laughs> I did not see the dog. Ben did not see the dog. Uh, he leaned over to give the woman a scarf. And as he did, this dog <laughs> just came out of nowhere. And almost caught, you know, because those little pointy sleeves, you know, the little cuffs, the little points on them, you know. And this dog almost tore into that thing. And Ben looked back at me and he goes, it's a dog. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> but we never saw we never saw the dog until the dog was mid-launch into, uh, I, it, was, it was just those little magic moments that happened on stage. I don't know if anybody in the audience even noticed that it happened, but it freaked us out. Tom, I was, I was on the side of the stage. It reminded me of three things. <laughs> First was planes, trains, and automobiles. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When they're in the back of the pickup and that dog nips him. Yeah. Second was Jaws, the famous line, we're going to need a bigger boat. Yeah. And the third one, and it gave me nightmares the rest of that night, was Carrie, the movie, when the hand comes up from the grave at the end. That's, that's what it reminded oh. me of. Yeah, well, all three of those together in one moment, um, as we had barely recovered from Vic being in the audience. So a lot of and, – and then – we talk about, uh, you know, a lot of festivals that we do, Jeff, you host after parties. Um, some of the ones that have been happening, we haven't had an official after party because, frankly, everybody's exhausted yeah. and so is the audience. But this Jonesboro was just this amazing venue. First of all, Jeff, what's the term you use when you do a festival? I call them elevator fest. We're all just right there where the venues where the hotel is. I call it an elevator yeah, fest. Eleva like you never have to go outside yeah. once you get there. And all of a sudden I looked around cause we were all kind of hanging out in the lobby and there is a mariachi band <laughs> going table to table. Yeah. It was Finley, Braxton, Sykes. I think Radney, I think we yeah. were the three guys. It was great. And such a funny, and it was Alex's idea. We got to give him credit. Our producer there. <laughs> or and blame, I that or was, blame, or blame. And it was so funny. It also reminded me of when my mom and dad and aunt and uncle were at a, Mexican restaurant and they had a mariachi band and they started walking toward my dad. My dad just held up $20 and said, Nope, go away. <laughs> <laughs> That's all they wanted anyway. That's right. But these guys, they would, it was kind of like hit and run. They would stop, they would do a song and then they were gone. Oh, it was great. They were gone to the other. And what was weird about it was the lobby was so big and cavernous and, and it was, we were, you know, all of us were making a lot of noise talking. Um, you could see them across the way, but you couldn't hear them until yeah. they got right up to your table. Yeah. So it was kind of magical in that in that respect. Very fun. And and just another one of those those things that happened at festivals. And uh, on our rundown sheet that Alex prepared, he I think Alex wants uh, to get a sponsorship from Hands for talking because there was a Hands restaurant attached to that hotel yes. in Jonesboro. And Alex, I think Alex might have actually uh, applied for a job there to get the employee discount. 
I did actually. They had a they had a sign in the lobby, and I had the fried <laughs> mushrooms. You you suggested them our first night there. I did, yeah. And you're like, "Are you going to get them?" And I'm like, "Yeah. Well, let's get the eight because I was going to get the eight anyway, and this way we can just share it. And I don't look as bad." And yeah. I was like, "Let's do it." Um, they they changed my life <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, Alex will only accept festivals that have hula hands attached to the hotel now. There so, you go. <laughs> t- uh, t- uh, Tupelo Tom and Bigelow talking brought to you this segment. Buy the mushroom caps at Houlihan. <laughs> Go ahead and order eight. You're going to anyway. Uh, and we are recovering also as well as we get ready to head back out for another festival. Um, recovering from kind of the, the daddy of all the festivals, 25 years of the Tupelo Elvis Festival. I'll never forget the first one I went to. I walked off the stage. The love I felt from the blue team, the producers, uh, the fans, I said, I will never miss another Tupelo. I call it my second home. And of course it is your home, Tupelo, Tom. Yeah. And it was great to be back. Uh, And I want to congratulate. I'm so proud of this guy. He's one of the first guys I met in the business. He's been in ETA for years. His commitment to Elvis is unmatched. He's a massive fan. He uh, does it with grace, style, and talent. He's also an incredible Roy Orbison tribute artist. But my dear friend, Jesse Aaron, uh, he's worked so hard, working out, getting in great shape, and he let that voice shine, and I was so proud of him for for winning and representing Tupelo. He's a great part of the family. He's going to be a great addition to it. And he's somebody that uh, one of the first times I met him uh, said to me, you know, it's kind of freaking me out to meet you. And, I, and I'm thinking, oh, because of, you know, I'm Tupelo Tom, right? <laughs> And I'm thinking that, you know, I don't ever yeah. say that except, you know, on a podcast. Um, <laughs> but he says to me, he says, yeah, you, you look and act and sound exactly like my father. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, well, that's, that's just really good. So you're never going to win. Okay. Was he a Barnaby Jones fan too? <laughs> I probably so. Yeah, I, 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 hey, Jesse, if you're listening, tell your dad Barnaby Jones is on Amazon. But he's just a really great guy. And I love these moments that when a festival discovers someone and, and you, you, you go, oh, my gosh, who is that guy? And the guy that came in second, Lewis Brown from uh, England. Wow. Yeah. Uh, the audience, you know, a, a huge, huge reaction. Uh, new, I had never seen him before. Uh, and just absolutely, you know, uh, I, I, I made a joke about, you know, here's Lewis Brown, no relation. And then after he got this thunderous of applause, I said, well, unfortunately, no relation, but I'm going to go back and take a look. Maybe we are related. That's right. But congratulations to him. Uh, a new discovery there. And one of my old buddies, David Allen, came in third back, yeah. back in the competition world and lands a top three in Tupelo. Way to go, Dave. That was fantastic. I just it was a great, great weekend. As always, the shows are great, as always. Uh, the after parties at the Silver Moon Club with Charlie Watson, packed, crazy, fun, a lot of memories made as always, a lot of new experiences and off the cuff things that happen at all the after parties that if you watch it on Facebook Live, you really can't, it's just not the same thing. You have to experience it. And that's what you hope in an after party is that uh, something unique and funny and cool happens. And of course it did. Uh, Pat Dunn when he put the hair over Ben's head and all these other things and the Beatles things weird it was just a lot of fun and um, and then of course our our dear friend Charlie Watson who's so special to all of us and Peggy Watson uh, was honored justifiably so by Tupelo Elvis Festival and it was much deserved and I was very happy for Charlie and that was one of those things that was such an honor for me to be the one on stage that introduced the beautiful clip package that they had put together for him and to, to have them and to, to do the honors of presenting them with that. And it was just amazing the the, the love that everybody has for Charlie and Peggy. Um, and, and if you get a chance to ever go to the silver moon for one of those parties, it's just kind of the, kind of the place to be. And if you don't know who Charlie is, I think we've talked about him on the podcast. Charlie ran the silver moon club there in Arkansas and he had, I mean, Jerry Lee Lewis, Conway Twitty, Elvis, Johnny Cash, all these incredible legends play for him. Very few times in the world do you get to meet somebody that is truly unique. And Charlie's that guy, and I just love him to death and so glad he's healthy. And uh, we just had a lot of fun visiting with him all weekend, as always. 
and, and back in the day in the 70s and, and, and back in the, you know, that era, uh, they had Gardner Watson's, a store that they stole TVs and stereos and things like that. And uh, then he had a ice service that serviced places, you know, bringing ice. So that's why sometimes it's referred to as the Silver Moon or the Ice House. Yeah. And, yeah. and then also, because that building, that room where the party is, um, if you're a wrestling fan, that's the room where uh, the Tupelo concession stand match took place. Jerry the King Lawler um, had a match there that kind of got out of hand and it ended up happening in the concession stand. They were throwing mustard and popcorn at each other. And that's right there in that room where we do all those shows. And you so were there, wrestling Tom. Fan, I, I I was not there for the concession stand, okay. but I used to go. I used to go to the Ice House for uh, wrestling, and and uh, at this one, my broadcast idol Lance Russell, who was the host of WHBQ Studio Wrestling, was there doing play by play on the stairs, uh, which are still there as well at the Silver Moon. So, oh, it's great! You can Google the match, and it's about five minutes into it when the when the concession stand fight breaks out. And it's so great. One of the announcers goes, he's throwing ketchup at him. He's throwing ketchup. It's just great. It's, it, and yeah. Jerry Lawler is there. It was re- really fun. But They had told him, do anything you want to, but don't hit the uh, popcorn machine. It's brand new. That's right. So they did everything else. And the other part of the week is just how many shows there are and how many things happening. And one of the ones I was proudest of was, uh, the, was the conversations that we did yes. uh, Friday afternoon. Because... Um, we, we told the history of, of the, first of all, the first guests were, were, uh, Linda Johnson and Debbie Brangenberg and, uh, Stephanie Coomer and Bobby King, who were the four people along with Pat Raspberry, who was passed away that were among the people in Tupelo in 98, 1998 that, that said, you know, we need to do a festival. We need to do something to honor Elvis. And they got their proposal together and they, they went to EPE, to get permission. And I love this when they told this in the, in the story, in the interview, they, they really were worried that what if, what if Elvis Presley Enterprises said no to this? Because festivals were kind of not a thing. They were done. Collingwood was doing one in Canada mm-hmm. and they all went to see that. And they said, wow, this is huge. Imagine what it could be in Tupelo, the birthplace. And they go to EPE to get permission and they're worried about the reaction. And basically Graceland said, what took you so long? Oh, that's great. Like, of, of, of course. So, you know, what we consider to be the Tupelo Elvis Festival, because the ETA portion began in 2007, had already been in place and, and, and rumbling and operating every year, uh, starting in 99. So the ETA thing came into the world in, in 2007 when Graceland created that. But it, it had been happening in Tupelo way before that with people like Scotty Moore and DJ Fontana and B.B. King and Little Big Town. I mean, just a lot of a lot of acts that had, that had played or Charlie Daniels, things like, so we told that history uh, in the, in the conversation. And Tom, you got something so cool that Angie brought that well, I'm, was presented. I'm, to let us. me, let me, I'm, I'm, I'm building to oh, that. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So after we, t- we talked about the history of, of the Tupelo Elvis festival, uh, my friend Hal Lansky came out to talk about the history of Lansky brothers in Memphis and, and Lansky's connection to Elvis and anybody that's watching, you know, the movie has seen the movie. There's Mr. Lansky is a character in the film and Lansky's is a location that they recreated and, and how came. And uh, I was very happy that, that he accepted my invitation and came down and told the story about uh, Lansky brothers and the, the influence of clothing on Elvis and, and how much a, a, a part of that early career that Mr. B uh, Hal's father, Bernard Lansky really was. And uh, it's it just a lot of fun. And then, an amazing gift that I was given a new addition, a new jacket is out in the Lansky line. It's a pink jacket. That is a kind of a recreation of the pink jacket that, that uh, Austin Butler wears in the movie. And it's called the Austin oh, and wow. how presented, how presented one uh, to me on stage. That's that was awesome. Like quite the honor. And they are available at Lansky's. Uh, they have one in your size and uh, just be sure uh, to ask for the Tom Brown discount. Um, you won't save any money at all, but it might help me out one day down the line. So that's that's what I always say. So the gifts didn't just happen with with Lansky, Jeff. You know, the, the gift of the Austin Butler jacket, because one of the mornings when I was introducing, I think it was Friday morning when I was introducing the judges, one of the judges for the festival was Lowell Hayes, Elvis's jeweler. And, you know, the, the judges have the microphone and I welcome them there and ask them, you know, so what do you think about everything you're seeing? And 
Lowell obviously knows what he's looking at because he saw Elvis hundreds of times, you know, sitting on the side of the stage with his jewelry case that Elvis would come over and pick a ring up and give it out. Uh, Lowell says uh, with the microphone, he says, Tom, do, do you have a TCB necklace? And I, I, I don't. Uh, well, I didn't. And he proceeds. Uh, I told him I did not have a TCB necklace for whatever reason. I guess I just I guess I was waiting for this moment. <laughs> but, you know, uh, he says, come here. I want to give you I, I have a presentation I want to make. So I ran down from the stage. And Jeff, you know me. I don't like surprises. Mm-hmm. I like to know what's happening and make it look like it's a surprise. Right. Right. Um, this was a surprise. And I go down and he proceeds to tell me the story about how when he was working with Elvis, that Elvis would give the necklace out. And he told the story about how the 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 necklace part of it, uh, the the rope or the chain or whatever you call it, um, there's no clasp on it because when Elvis put it on you, he didn't want you ever taking it off. Wow. And he had me turn around and he placed it over my head. And I had a, he said and he whispered to me, you have a big head. He, <laughs> he uh he put it over my head and down, and uh, he said, that's exactly how I put it on Elvis. And Jeff, I started thinking about it, and I almost lost it, because I'm standing in my hometown in Tupelo, um, Lowell Hayes. You know, Elvis gave that necklace out to people that meant something, and Lowell even said, if yeah. Elvis were here, you would have already gotten one of these from him for the work that you're doing for Elvis and the fact that you're from Tupelo he would love. So that meant a lot. That's cool. But I thought about it, Jeff. Elvis had given out that necklace to people and Elvis had been the one to put it on their necks. Right. But Lowell put Elvis's on. Yeah. And he put mine on. That's cool. And there it is. That's great. I've got it. I've got it right there. You can, Hey, that's my TCB hitting the microphone. That's all I can do for you. But it's the sound of the TCB necklace. But that was just one of those moments. And then I've got to go back and do the rest of the show. And I'm like, I just want to go around and show people my, my new necklace. So that, an incredible honor, uh, just absolutely an amazing week, and uh, I, I hope everybody got an opportunity to have a to have a magical moment in in Tupelo, like that that we were able to do in many many cases. And then uh, from Elvis Presley Enterprises, Alicia Dean was there and presented an award to the Tupelo Festival from EPE for twenty five years, honoring twenty five years in the in the festival world. And Angie Marchese from uh, the archives of Graceland came down to Tupelo and Jeff, another one of those magical moments when you realize that where the arena is located uh, is, was where Shake Rag was back in the day, but that is directly across the street. The arena is directly across the street from where the fairgrounds were located, where Elvis did his homecoming concerts in, uh, in uh, 56 and 57. And she brought back, the shoes that Elvis wore on stage, the white buck shoes, a necklace that Gladys had worn, uh, which basically was just a, uh, a, a souvenir necklace. I mean, it was a necklace available to the public, but she's seen in the photos made during that uh, appearance wearing this necklace. And the other item that they had was the key to the city that Mayor Ballard presented to Elvis in the shape of a guitar. And she brought all three of those items back. And just think about it, Jeff. Since the day Elvis was presented that key, and they probably put it in the car and drove to Memphis after the concert, those shoes, that necklace, and that key have never been back to Tupelo until Angie brought them on that Friday afternoon. Wow. And Elvis had them just across the street. That is amazing. And, and that is such a, a a cool thing you get to do, Tom, that everybody's so jealous of. And, and how, how great is Angie for providing that? And Alicia, I mean... That is fantastic. And it's, it's, they love sharing that. And, and they take a lot of the items, you know, go around the world on, on tours. And, but she said, you know, this key to the city has been all over the world, but it's never come back to Tupelo before. Wow. And that's what makes it so special. And uh, there's a photo of me holding the key. And I think you can tell in the photo that I'm like, I can't believe this holding that key. It's, it's heavier than you would think it would be. And Jeff, the other part of the festival I think that was so special and magical was the the finally able to perform TIC band from Australia um, after having been uh, signed to be the band in 2020 when the pandemic hit and were able to play virtually for the festival, but finally to be able to to be a part of being in Tupelo and to be a part of the family. 
And my connection with TIC goes back to, I met them at your festival, Jeff, mm-hmm. a few years back. And we had signed them to be our Nashville band uh, and had to cancel the festival. And uh, the fact that um, when we found out on the news that Tom Hanks was a celebrity that had uh, COVID and nobody we knew had it and Tom Hanks got it and it was on the news, we knew then like, okay, that's it. And yeah. he was down there shooting, getting ready to shoot the Elvis movie, you know, playing Colonel Parker. But here's those magic moments. I told you at the top of the show about, I found that record album and picked it up randomly. And then there's James Burton and Ronnie Tut and Jerry Schiff on it. The little magic moments, you know, that happen. Yeah. So Alberto and Vito and Marco land, they get in town on Tuesday and they immediately start roaming around town and they end up at a record store at Crosstown in Tupelo. And they're in the record store going around. They start talking to the owner of the record store. And when they get ready to leave, they're on their phone trying to figure out how to get a taxi or Uber or something. And the owner says, what do you guys, you guys need a ride? And they're like, oh, well, we're just, you know, we just want to go back to the hotel. So this guy, the owner, Joe is his name, starts talking to them. And he finds out um, that they love, that they're here for the Elvis festival. That's all he knows. That's all they've said. We're here for the Elvis festival. Oh, well then let me take you around and show you some stuff. Cause that's what we do in Tupelo. So he takes them to Johnny's drive-in and they sit in the Elvis booth and they get Johnny Burger and they drive. He takes them to Milam. He takes them to Lawhorn, the schools where Elvis went. They take, drives them around. And somehow in the car, it comes out that they're with the band for the festival. And Joe says, oh, well, then maybe, you know, my next door neighbor, Tom Brown, because Joe is my next door neighbor, the guy that owns the the record bookstore at Crosstown (laughs) in Tupelo. Greatest Hits, by the way, is the name of the store. And my phone rings that afternoon about four o'clock and I'm inside, I'm taking a nap, you know, because that's what I, I do morning radio. And Joe says, hey, are you in your house? And I said, yeah. He says, come out here. I got something for you. So I think it's Joe calling me because a package has been misdelivered next door because sometimes we do that. Packages will get misdelivered and I'll call him and say, hey, I didn't know if you were home. I want to bring you your mail, you know. So I'm expecting, I wake up out of a nap. I'm expecting to go to the front door to get a package from Joe. And instead, as I walk down the hall and I look out the front door, standing in my front yard is Marco. (laughs) And I'm like... Well, that guy looks like Marco. And I walk, and then there's Vito, and and I'll, it, they're all out there. <laughs> in your front yard. And my front, and that's the magic of Elvis, uh, because the random guy they met at the store, who owned the record store, is is my next door neighbor. That and is so that's, cool. That, and that's, what I loved about it was for them, it was, I mean, it was cool for me, but for them, it was just how, they'd been in Tupelo like two hours. Yeah. And already things like that are happening, little magic moments are happening. And I'll clean it up for the podcast, but we did a very special toast uh, at Charlie's. Uh, TSC was over there, and Jeannie and Susan, Charlie, Peggy, a bunch of us were all over there. I'm sure I'm leaving out. I think Ben and Ree were there. And I just stood up, and it was emotional, because this was an emotional time. When they played uh, my festival in Helen, uh, their guitar player, Pep, who was an amazing musician, as they all are, uh, his dream was to play in the United States of America to play an Elvis show. And it was sadly shortly after that, that, um, Pat passed way too soon, but it was so great that I was a small part of something he had always dreamed of doing then for the band to have this opportunity to play Nashville and Tupelo and then COVID hit, um, for this all to finally happen. I stood up and I said, well, guys, and again, I'm cleaning the toast up. Uh, here's a toast. Hey, COVID-19, we won. And it was very emotional. And it, it was just a very special moment. And I was so happy for them. And, and uh, they, of course, did an incredible job. They had a very special night. Uh, Jason Russo and Michael and Birdie and Haytor, Vito and Kel and Marco, just incredible people with incredible talent. And we did a symphony Saturday night where the... Uh, Jason wrote it, produced it, and the big finale was very special where the band got to play with the Tupelo Symphony and Elvis appeared on the screen and we utilized that incredible voice of Elvis Presley and the band got to play. So that was a very special night. Just a lot of, a lot of uh, amazing things happened. Some things happened that were, you know, not planned for. And the reason that you try to be very organized is so you can handle stuff 
that happens at the last minute because the other stuff is taken care of. And this festival presented some challenges to the, to, to Lucia and to Debbie, and I think they handled it in the, in the best way they could, and I, I admire them for that, and it's never easy. Um, but you, 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 you move forward, you go forward, and, and you, you, you present the best show you can. All the other stuff is just noise that happens off stage. It's about what happens on that stage that is the most important thing of the experience. And I admire all the guys pulling together yes. on uh, – on, on uh, Thursday night and uh, making sure that there's a show presented for the audience and the, the, the headliners that some, most of whom were not working that night came together and, and did it, you know, did it for Elvis and did it for the fans. And I, and I think that's admirable for all of them. And it was very special to, to watch everybody's. Yeah. Let's pull together the blue team, the performers, everybody, Lucia, Debbie, the way everybody reacted, let's get together and let's put on the best show we can. And it was a very special once again, the Elvis family at work. That's right. That's right. And it's about that fan experience. And, uh, and, and again, as the individual performers study Elvis and his songs and his move and his wardrobe and all that, that band, those singers, just absolutely amazing. I had a fantastic seat on stage throughout the competition and a lot of shows to be out there with them and listen to them. And uh, just amazing uh, that they've learned their parts so well, so perfectly uh, with what they are recreating. So just overall, just an amazing festival, another great gospel show, a, a, a wonderful show, a lot of money raised for St. Jude um, with that, that Sunday uh, love offering. And uh, again, just a uh, 25th anniversary of the whole festival. And it just keeps, it just keeps going on. There's nothing like uh, being in Tupelo, and I hear that all the time from people. I love that Saturday afternoon where everyone walks around and they have the recreations of the the moments in Elvis's life there on the street, and you guys are all in stores um, meeting the public and things. It's just it's kind of like a little treasure hunt that people are off looking for uh, for ETAs in stores. You know, Tom, another really cool thing that that you're very intimate with the birthplace there of Elvis that was really cool. John Daly, with the help of Sydney and Gianna kind of redid the decor and the displays at the birthplace. And it's very, very special. So now, just like Grayson always does, they've redone it. So if you haven't been to the birthplace in a while, go back. They've changed it up, and it's really, really great. And for me, that was my community center when I was a kid. You know, we would go there and play ping pong and stuff. So that facility was built with funds that Elvis had raised in those homecoming shows. Uh, so the, the care Roy Turner, the, the executive director and Henry Dodge and the board of which I am now proudly a part of so many plans for keeping, keeping everything there updated, but keeping it uh, in that, that spirit of young Elvis, that uh, more simple time uh, in, in history. And uh, I think you get that. I think you feel that when you come to the birthplace and walk around there, but that those new displays are fantastic that they all worked on because it, it shows really kind of tells the story of the birthplace. And you also see a lot of those items that uh, Colonel Parker created back in the day that are alluded to and shown in the movie um, of how they sold Elvis um, with all that, uh, all that marketing and merchandise and things like that. So it's, it's kind of fun. So happy Silver Jubilee for the Tupelo Elvis Festival. Next 25 years, I'm sure they got great things planned too. And we've got great things planned. Coming up, we're going to talk about some upcoming festivals. But first, we're going to take a break. But remember, we're not done talking. There's a new kind of Elvis excitement coming your way. And Elvis, you'll want to hear again and again. Love letters. Love letters straight from your heart. Elvis's new album, Love Letters. It starts with Elvis soft and low. And it moves like lightning into high gear. Elvis. Singing 11 songs you'll want to write love letters about because every one's a special love letter to you. Love Letters, all signed by Elvis on his new album, available now on RCA Records and Tapes.
Well, I'm Tupelo Tom. And I'm Big Lou. And we're still talking. Still yapping. Now, if you've been following the news in the Elvis world, which we had, it's been a a wonderful year and a sad year. I mean, with the movie being nominated for Academy Awards and all the awards that it did win, but losing Lisa Marie in January. And that kind of set off some uh, legal proceedings that, much like everything in today's world, played out in the public. Um, when uh, Priscilla challenged the legality of uh, whatever amendment or whatever it was that, that Lisa had instituted in the will. And all of that legal stuff is out there um, without knowing really anything about it um, uh, at the time when it was happening. Um, that doesn't stop people from speculating uh, of what's going on. But all I can do is say that it's it's settled. Money was exchanged. Um, conditions were met. And I saw recently a photo, a recent photo after the settlement of Riley and Priscilla together. Um, and that's really all that, you know, that's all I need to know. Is the mansion going to stay open? Yes. Is the mansion going to stay in the family? Yes. Whew, good. Okay, fine. That's that's what I want. Um, Riley is the sole trustee of the estate as, you know, as as the oldest daughter. Um, it was left to her and Benjamin. Benjamin's no longer here, so it... it falls to her and uh they're working together and like i said all the details are out there if you want to if you want to read them um i would not being a legal person uh the legal papers are out there you're you're welcome to read them but good luck understanding them because they're written by lawyers for <laughs> lawyers they're not written for people like you know yep. two yep. two podcast hosts to start analyzing what what was decided and how it was decided uh you have to remember both sides have to agree to it. And sometimes you ask for more than you want because you might not, you're not going to get everything you ask for. So you ask for things and then things are cut down. That's called negotiation. That's kind of what that is. Um, but the mansion's been open for business and it continues to be. And, and Elvis Presley Enterprises is thriving. And, you know, we have to trust that the Presley family is happy with the outcome. And I'm happy that they're happy. And other than that, any other noise you hear, unless it's coming out of the mouth of Riley or Priscilla, is just kind of air from people. Yes. Yes. And, you know, this and I will say this about it. Um, whatever your feelings are for a particular subject, uh, if you like something, you forgive about that. If you like it. If you don't like something, you look for any reason to naysay it. And there are people, you know, people in the Elvis world have people they like and people they don't like for whatever reason. This just goes hand in hand with backing up however you feel about, you know, if you're if you're an anti-Priscilla person, there's really nothing she can do that's ever going to win you over. It's kind of like, like when I was a film yeah. critic and, and I would say, you know, there's a new Stallone movie out this Friday. But listen, if you don't like Sylvester Stallone, why are you even going? You're not going to like the movie because you don't like him. Yeah. And in this case, there are people, like I said, that are anti Priscilla and nothing she can do is going to be anything that they're going to be happy about, though. They should be happy. She opened the mansion 30 years ago, you know, or 40 years ago. Exactly. So, again, it plays out. And, you know, I like to talk about things I know about and, I love for this podcast to be about things I've experienced and things you've experienced, festivals and things like that, or watching a movie and talking about it. I wasn't a part of this negotiation. So that's all I got to say about that. And, you know, as we've learned, yeah, there's some people that just aren't going to be happy with anything. There's nothing you can do that's ever going to change their mind. What's the old saying? Someone could find a cure for cancer and people just complain about <laughs> all the oncologists they put out out of work, you know? So, so I just, you know, with everything, all the positive and all the heartbreak that's happened, I think everybody agrees that we just want the best for everyone involved and the family involved. And uh, thank you for keeping Graceland open for all of us. And I would also say, if you have not seen uh, Daisy Jones and the Six with Riley, um, watch that. It She is a phenomenal actress. Uh, and there are some various hidden Elvis references within the series that as an Elvis fan, when you see them, you just sit bolt upright and go, I know what she did right there. And it's very Elvis. So it, there's some hidden things yeah. out there for you. So Daisy Jones and the six with Riley, I believe that's on Amazon, if I'm not mistaken. 
So with the legal proceedings behind us now, Jeff, we've we've checked our briefs and we are wearing them and we move forward to what's coming up down the line <laughs> as we get ready to head out to Summerfest in Inverness, Florida with Cody Danath and the family is back together. I cannot wait. It's a very special fest for me. Um, I've told the story often that when I had Jeff Lewis and friends, you know, we have that festival in Helen, a wonderful lady named Carolyn Nichols. We might have to do a whole episode yeah. on her one of these days, but she was the matriarch who left this earth way too early. Brings this little whippersnapper up to me to introduce me. So this is a young ETA and he's a singer. And of course I was rolled my eyes like, Oh Lord, here's another one. You know, who would have ever thought this dynamic powerhouse of a talent uh, would end up being one of my best friends in the world. Uh, he's really a family member more than a friend. And he was telling me one day, he said, I've got this festival in Florida where they shot the movie, follow that dream. And this is his sixth anniversary. We went down there and Tom, you were there my first uh, summer fest as well. And we had an incredible time and this festival has grown and grown. So the brainchild of this young man I met several years ago has turned into one of the best festivals and one of the best events in our business. Uh, and it's all because of his thinking out of the box and uh, adding to the show. What I love about Cody and really everything that we do, Tom and Alex, all of us, we're never satisfied. Our goal is to every time somebody spends their money to come see an event, we're not regurgitating an event. We're trying to add something, anything we can do, whether it's another piece of staging or lighting or a different special effect or a different idea for a set list. And I'm just so proud of him. So this is going to be great. I mean, Tom, you've got eight shows. It's ETA Festivals event. You can go to etafestivals.com, Summerfest. Once again, best entertainer I've ever seen, Dean Z. Bill Cherry, closest thing to Elvis I've ever seen. Cody Delnath, Ben Thompson, David Lee, Michael Colifer, Alex Mitchell, and, and so glad Dwight Eisenhower is going to be there. We would have Dwight at so many more events, but he's always working all over the world. He's so talented. He's an ultimate winner as well. Uh, we've got Michael Chambliss, Moses Snow, Emilio Santoro. This guy, young man from England there, is so talented. Good-looking little rascal. He has one of the best Elvis looks out there. And, Tom, you know the show America's Got Talent? Oh, yeah. And remember they did this AI thing where they had Elvis singing, but Simon Cowell oh, yeah, lip-syncing. Yeah. yeah. Well, they had the body of Elvis, and that was I was busy. I couldn't do it. So they had Emilio come in and do it. And uh, so kind of a little another little star there. And then, of course, <laughs> the young Dynamo Braxton Sykes will be there between uh, striking people out and scoring touchdowns and football games, hitting home runs. And, of course, uh, Tom, the same band you used for Nashville. Yeah. Cliff Wright's band, Infinity, who is incredible. They're, they're one of the newer tribute artist bands out there, and their attention to detail is amazing, and their love of Elvis is, is great. And so I'm very excited about that. And, Tom, the Carolina Quartet on Friday and Saturday will be there. And this is the first time we've worked with them at the festival, so that's real exciting. And, and, and this festival also, it kicks off with uh, um, Cody asked me to, to if I would do a Tonight Show. Uh, and, and so I've, I've done a Tonight Show a little bit at your festival uh, before when I just come out and do a monologue and introduce uh, guys um, doing their other tributes like David Lee with his Conway Twitty and things like that. Um, but this time I get to do the, I get to do the couch part oh, cool. too. I get to, we're going to have guys come out and I'm going to interview them and I'll have, you know, I have some, I'll have an opening monologue and I'll have some slides. I have always have vacation slides when I do Carson <laughs> and we're going to get to talk to some of these guys. I've, I've done it before on some Elvis cruises and it's very funny. One, one festival cruise, um, we did 15 minutes on the best kind of makeup. Um, we talked about how to get, uh, pancake makeup out of white collars and that's where dean shared that he puts white medical tape on the inside of the collar so the makeup gets on the tape and you just take the tape off and put new tape. it's just little secrets like that um what kind of eyeliner they use uh the best hairspray um one time i was using hairspray in the dressing room and alex mitchell our producer walked by and said 
You got that at Walgreens, didn't you? <laughs> he knew the hairspray by the smell. Oh, that's great. These guys know everything about what it takes to be Elvis. And that's the kind of stuff that we'll find out. The magic oh, that we'll find out on stage. Tom, I learned all about contouring. I learned all the tricks. And yeah. One funny story. Me and Cliff Wright and uh, another ET, I'm trying to think it was, Tyler Hunter. Cliff had, you know, Elvis had those great shadowy eyes, you know. Yeah. And this is like I said, back when I was an ETA. And we're sitting there with our Spanx on, <laughs> looking in the mirror, and Cliff is showing us this makeup technique where you put, I don't know, whatever it is, eyeshadow, and you kind of rub it in. And I look around for a second, and I think, what in the world has my world come to? <laughs> I'm sitting here in Spanx with two fellas putting makeup on. And I, that was kind of when I started pondering my ETA retirement at that moment. <laughs> Well, we're going to find out um, makeup tips. And also one of the great questions uh, to ask an ETA is tell us about your first show. And I remember Bill, uh, Bill Cherry's first show. He told the story about very first time he was going on stage as Elvis. He hooked his toe on the top step and fell face forward on the stage. Oh, man. That's how he starts. <laughs> I said, yeah, but did you get up and do CC Rider? He said, yeah. I said, there you go. That's all that matters. Evil Knievel right. would say it's not the crash. It's getting up after the crash. That that yeah. makes heroes. Well, Summerfest is, is great. I can't wait to see what Cody has in store for us this year. Um, and all the shows are going to be great that he that I've seen. These get written on the schedule. Uh, Tom, you and I roomed together and kind of like uh, we were in the Rain Man suite uh, mansion there uh, one year. And <laughs> I just remember sitting, we were on a golf course. I don't know why I'm telling the story. I think it's so funny, but. I'm in the pool and I see a guy golfing by uh -huh. himself. I can't hear him. I can just see him. And he's near the green. He's got a sand wedge and he hits it and it goes straight up in the air and falls straight right back in front of him. <laughs> Again, no sound. I see him pounding the cart with his club, snaps his club and just chucks it down the fairway. And that all happened in silence. Yeah. All silence. And then it, he drives back. I see him pick up his wedge put it back in the cart, comes back, gets another club out. And I see him take a deep breath and shake his head in his hands. And the exact same thing happens. Again. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, that's one of my memories and having nothing to do with Elvis of Summerfest. It's this silent, it's like a Benny Hill skit with no, or Charlie Chaplin skit with no sound, you know, but it was so funny, but very excited. I'm so proud. I'm so proud of Cody. Uh, this is kind of his uh, Catalina wine mixer. It's kind of the cornerstone of his festivals. And we're, Excited to be part of the sixth one. And uh, we're looking forward to that. Uh, if you're on your way to that festival, we'll see you there. Uh, if you're listening to this later after that festival, the review of that festival will be in our next episode yes. as we preview what's coming up. And I know looking ahead on the calendar, Kentucky is, is looming out there, which again is an ETA festival show with a different slant, a, a different way to yes. present things and a lot of different artists will be represented in that tribute show. So we'll, we'll do a more in-depth uh, preview of, of that in our, in our next episode. Absolutely. And we have a show coming up with me, Bill Cherry and Cody and uh, uh, one of my favorite cities on the planet, Athens, Georgia. That's right. University and Bill Georgia Cherry right is going to be in uh, Franklin at the Franklin theater on July Sunday. It's a Sunday show, two shows, July 16th. And go to franklintheater.com for details about that. Two different shows, too, the matinee and the night yep. show. Uh, two different shows from Bill Cherry. And it's uh, and uh, the uh, Infinity Band will also be our, our house band for that as well. So we've got a lot of stuff coming up in July. It's going to be a great Elvis summer. Looking forward to it. I'll see you down the road. Um, people think we hang out and talk all the time. We do when we're together. And the other time, we just do this with, with Alex and, and, and talk about that. Um, it's been a pleasure talking to you, Jeff. But... I, it's it's time for another Barnaby Jones episode for me. I've, I'm going to have to. Uh, I, I, if you want to continue on and talk, you can. But I, I got to go. Barnaby Jones. This this there's this guy that's killed somebody, and and I think they're going to kill Barnaby Jones. But then again, there's like six more seasons after this episode, so I don't think they're going to get him. I'm going to go cheer on Rick Ricky Fowler on the U.S. Open. So we'll see what happens. There you go, um, Alex. Anything happening in your world? Uh, just getting ready for Summerfest. I, I had to do laundry in Tupelo at the hotel. Yeah. And uh, I opened the wrong dryer and saw all these Paisley shirts and ascots flying. And I was like, well, it's either Tom Brown or the TIC band. It was the TIC band's dryer. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
I would never that's wash great. my clothes at a hotel. <laughs> um, that's it. It's a Tupelo is an interesting festival for me because I stay at the hotel, even though my house is literally two blocks from the arena. Uh, because it's a business trip for me. I have to stay in the zone, the performance zone. Uh, but I am able to come home every day and get that day's wardrobe. So it's tough having to pack ahead. But uh, as long as you have enough ascots, you can get through anything. <laughs> well, great show, guys. I can't wait to see you all in Florida and everybody listening. Hopefully you're listening on your way to Florida. We're going to have a lot of fun. Safe travels to everybody. Come up and say hello to us if we haven't met you yet. Spread the word of this podcast to all your friends. If you've got any friends out there that are new Elvis fans, uh, tell them to take a listen. There's a lot of things within these episodes that have to do with the history of Elvis, and we hope they will enjoy that. Again, like I said, it's kind of the viewpoint of uh, of Tom and Jeff and, and Alex and what we have a feeling of what's going on in the Elvis world. And I'm Tupelo Tom. And I'm Big Lou. And, and we're, we're done talking. If you've enjoyed this episode of Tupelo Tom and Big Lou Talkin', please visit us online at www.tupelotombiglutalkin.com and on Instagram and Twitter at Tupelo Tom Big Lou or drop us a line at tupelotombiglou at gmail.com. This podcast is made possible by executive producers Jeff Lewis and Tom Brown, producer and editor Alex Mitchell, Technical advisor, Michael Cullifer. Promotions and marketing advisor, Cody Dayanath. And also in part by our sponsors and listeners like you. Do you have an Elvis-related event that you'd like featured on Tupelo Tom and Big Lou Talkin'? Email us at TupeloTomBigLou at gmail.com to find out more. 